Welcome to episode number 79 of the Grab Blogger podcast. This is the podcast where helping academics change the world through online business. Helping you by giving you the tools, the tips, the strategies, and the techniques you need to build an online business around your research experience, around your expertise, around your background, and around the change you want to make in the world. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about career coaching for women in STEM. To do that, we have on a very special guest, Presha Dutra from HerStemStory.com and HerStemConsulting.com. Presha, welcome to the Grab Blogger podcast. Thanks for having me, Chris. This is so exciting. I'm really excited to have Presha on. As I was talking to her before the interview, we we always ask for guests if there's other interesting people in our space that we should be talking to. And her STEM story and, and Precious work kept coming up time and time again. So I found the email there out of the blue, well, maybe out of the blue to her, um, it was while in the making on my end, and asked her to come on the podcast to talk about her experience and her story. So she runs the very successful podcast, Her STEM Story, where she helps women excel in STEM careers, um, shares their journey, shares lessons learned, shares challenges, and ways to push through that. Here at the, the Grab Blogger podcast and in the self-tenure community, our goal is really around helping academics in the world of online entrepreneurship, building businesses online, which is like really building out your own career that you're doing as part of an entrepreneurship landscape. I thought this really meshed really well to have pressure on talking about her STEM story, then also talking about her business, her STEM consulting. So in this episode, we're going to go through her story. We're going to talk about why she created her STEM consulting, some of the challenges that women working in STEM fields and entrepreneurship have. Uh, how her podcast supports her business and, and lots of other topics I'm sure that we'll we'll talk about from her experience on and offline. So Presha, again, I'm really excited to have you on. I think a good place to to get started is just to maybe introduce yourself to the Grab Blogger podcast audience and just start talking about a little bit about your journey. Sure. So thanks. Uh, thanks for summing that up so well. And, you know, also sort of seeing the parallels in the two shows and how we're serving the community in our own special way. So that's always exciting to, you know, meet more people who are in this space because it's, you know, still really niche and really exciting uh, and growing fast. So that's exciting. Uh, but yeah, so my story sort of starts in India. That's where I grew up. And uh, I moved to the U.S. about eight years ago to pursue my master's in mechanical engineering. And the plan was, I mean, I did a bachelor's in chemical engineering back home from University of Pune, which is like, they call it Oxford of the East. So it's really popular. That's where all the schools are and a lot of kids and a lot of, you know, even manufacturing for, for India is in that area. And so that's where I went to do chemical engineering. And the plan was to come to US and do aerospace engineering. Um, but soon realized that aerospace um, is not very welcoming for students with visas and, you know, even Boeing and Lockheed and all these companies, at least when I was applying, were not sponsoring. And so my one of my big goals was to get a job because, you know, that was something very important to me. So I switched gears and moved to mechanical, still took all aerospace courses and got a mechanical degree and did get a job one year before graduation, which I think was so cool as a foreign student, as an international student. It's usually very, very hard to get jobs, especially with the sponsorship restrictions for visas. Um, so I think that was really, really cool. And actually now I give a talk on that to a lot of people where it's just so great that if you use your resources well, you can do well. And then just moved six times in six years <laughs> between between homes and states. And I've lived all over Northeast between, uh, I mean, Texas. I've lived in North Texas, East Texas, Pennsylvania, and uh, Rhode Island, where I'm based now, which is the tiniest state in US. And it's really, really cool. And so I moved here. It's uh, so a few years ago. I got married in 2017. Um, that's when I started like contemplating everything in terms of what am I doing with my career? Where do I want to go? And even though I was doing really well in my nine to five and knock on wood, I, I still am. I was more like craving for more. And that's how her STEM story came to be. <laughs> I love it. So I want to highlight a couple of parallels because I didn't... Um... I knew a bit about your background, but I didn't maybe prep you with my background because you mentioned you have a, you started in chemical engineering, you want to do aerospace and you end up doing mechanical. I did my undergrad in mechanical degree, mechanical engineering, um, my graduate degree in chemical, and I ended up doing a lot of aerospace work. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so as a, yeah, back when I was in my day job, I was doing a lot of uh, computer modeling for high energy systems, end up going down the route of explosions, which is a uh, sort of, you know, 
one of the higher, higher, well, it's actually not one of the highest energy systems. They're sort of medium energy systems, but was doing a lot of work on like rocket ships and propellants and stuff like that at one point. So we were, we were doing some aerospace work there, mm-hmm. but it is really interesting. And we're going to get into the, maybe some of the challenges in STEM, but I want to make sure we wrap up your, you know, your kind of intro and where you're at in that. But coming from a STEM background, I can identify and understand there are challenges for for women. So I think the the podcast that you run at um, her STEM story and and that is is probably resonates with a lot of people in that space. So we'll get that into that in a sec. But so you mentioned you know the different academic degrees that you did. You came to the U.S. had some difficulties with with visa and employment opportunities right away, which I think is probably another topic that you cover on on the Her STEM Story podcast. Moved a whole bunch of times in six years. Got married. Uh, asked the question, "What do I want to be when I grow up?" And I'm still asking that question at least once every month. So that's that's all right. My wife's still in school. She's been there for 20 years. She still asks what she wants to be, and she goes, oh. <laughs> it's, "It's just a process of right? <laughs> evolution." Yeah. So that kind of leads to what you're talking about with her STEM consulting. And uh, before we get into some of the challenges that women STEM face, and sort of down that road, can you just you know highlight what what that's about? And you mentioned that you know you really saw a need within yourself, something you want to do there, but how'd that manifest itself over the last, uh, last say 12 months or a year? Yeah, for sure. I think so. I think, you know, I started the podcast and, you know, there was a lot of like figuring out where I want to be, what's my space, what's do I have to offer? And I think a lot of us start some of these projects, including, you know, blogs and podcasts with, with the hope to monetize it. Right. And, um, as much as it's sort of frowned upon when you first start, um, at least I saw that a lot in the community um, that I was sort of, you know, in the circles I was in, there was a lot of nonprofit work. There was a lot of like, you know, give things for free sort of mentality um, because I think the value proposition was sort of unclear for a lot of us in that space, you know, a couple of years ago. And so, you know, one of the things that I made sure was I always had um, advisors and people in my life, like mentors and, you know, just like sort of reaching out and making, you know, connections and saying, hey, what do you think about my show? What, you know, what can we do? Collaborating. So that was sort of definitely a journey to make the podcast sustainable first and then be able to use that as an extra source of income because, you know, who doesn't want some extra money in the bank? So that was definitely the motivation. I just was not sure if, growing the podcast on its own was going to cut it because um, as you know, in this space, it's very difficult to get enough downloads to be able to get a lot of sponsorships. And what I saw with sponsorships was the content got a little controlled, right? So if if I'm trying to get big sponsorships, it became all about, Oh, our legal team has to look at it. You know, we can't put our name on something, you know, so I was losing some creative freedom in that process of trying to get STEM companies to sponsor my show. And, that's why I sort of deviated from that path and worked, uh, tried to collaborate with a nonprofit for a bit. So still being able to pay the bills for the show, which are not that high, but still that was sort of like, okay, we're trying different things, trying to write a grant, write a couple of, wrote a couple of grants, realized very quickly, that's not who I am. I can't write grants. I've never spent a lot of time in academia and I'm not just a behind the scenes person. I'm, I'm very front and center and I like that. And so I still continue to ask that question, like you said, right? Like, what do I want to do? What do I want to offer? And how do I take all this inspiration um, that I have in the show and like sort of package it in a way that I can totally support people and help help women um, with these lessons? Because I was getting a lot of messages around how much they're inspired, how they're taking action. And I'm like, there has to be something here. And then uh, last year, I hosted Wonder Women in STEM, which is my online conference that I host every year. And when I hosted it, I decided to charge for the tickets, still being under the nonprofit umbrella and did that and realized that people will pay for it, which was great. And uh, then decided that, okay, if I can, you know, if I can sell hundred tickets, then I can sell something else too. And that's sort of how her STEM consulting came to be in, um, in March of this year. So it's really new. So I've sort of from then till now coached about 35 women, uh, sort of on a one-on-one or a group level coaching. Uh, and then also hosted the third Wonder Women in STEM under the her STEM consulting sort of business brand and was able to sell hundred tickets once more, but this time twice as much <laughs> um, as the ticket price. And then of course, 
hundred times more value than the last time. So it's just been a self journey of discovering what I'm good at and sort of playing on my strengths um, and monetizing it. I think that's something that a lot of us want, but sometimes don't put our best foot forward to figure it out. Yeah, that's a really inspirational story. And I, so first off, congratulations on on taking the <laughs> the leap and putting yourself out there with her STEM consulting. But even more than that, congratulations on the early you know successes. And all things indicate that there's going to be more coming down the road um, with you know 35 coaching clients already running the third event and having that be a success. So I mean, that's awesome. I really um, you know really want to congratulate. You. That's that's pretty sweet. Thank you. I was going to say, like, on a lot of these things that you mentioned, you know, giving away things for free, nonprofit, taking the road of going towards applying for funding instead of, you know, building a profitable business. These are all things that I hear quite a bit in our work as well with, certainly with academics. And even the more academic a person is, sometimes the less likely they are to do what you did. <laughs> so we've, we've had that challenge. And I mean, I'm doing a training right now for the self-tenure community. Um, where I talk about this exact kind of thing that you're talking about, where what should you be looking at if you have zero offers? If you just have you know the first part of your business, what should you be looking at if you have one offer? If you have multiple offers, how does that look different at each stage? And the zero offer stage is really building authority in your space. Um, I call it the authority-based sales pipeline. Build that out through things like podcasts, through things like speaking, through things like content. And the whole challenge, the biggest gap at that stage in somebody's online business the gap is the customer insights. So what are the challenges that they have? And the more discussions you can have with your customer, more people you can get into your sphere, you start to say, okay, well, this, you know, you can kind of match things and you try offers out. I tried a number with uh, safety science in my industrial safety business that didn't work out and end up hitting on advertising as being the one that worked for me. You tried advertising for your podcast and that didn't end up being the one that worked out, but, you know, an online event and then, you know, doing coaching worked for you. So it's really trying to marry that. What is the customer what do they need? What are they willing to pay for compared to also what, what do you have to offer and what expertise do you have? Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things I, I think that gets in the way also is that when you don't invest in yourself, when you don't know what that looks like, let's say if I want to be a coach and I've never hired one or I've never asked for help, I can't rationalize it or have any logic behind, you know, why should I get behind this idea? Because I'm doubting it myself because I've never done it myself. Um, that was, I think, a big breakthrough for me was to ask for help, you know, from, from people that knew what they were doing and learning the concepts of building a business, right? Before that, I was doing a lot of just networking, which was really hollow networking and really afraid to ask people for money or really afraid to take that leap of faith because really I wasn't believing in myself at all. And I think once I understood the value of it, once I did it myself and I asked for help and I saw the benefits of it, uh, it just became a much easier way to, as you said, like to listen to my audience and say, okay, wait, if, if, you know, if this program or this course or this person is helping me solve such big issues in my life, how, how can I help these women that are coming to me after they listen to the show and not letting them just sort of figure this out on their own and, and, and really getting behind the idea. I think you have to try that as you have to become the customer, I think, in some cases to just really understand what you're trying to do. And I think that has been, um, that has been one of the key factors of, you know, just trying to grow this and trying to do new things is really putting myself in the place of the customer. <laughs> oh, I love that. I got, yeah, I just listed some challenges there. And I see these too when I talk to people and, and work with uh, with folks. You know, don't the the fear to invest in yourself, never having done it yourself. So if you're not one that takes courses, well, maybe you shouldn't be a person who's creating courses. Exactly. <laughs> if if you don't take, you know, if you haven't received coaching, maybe you shouldn't be giving coaching. No. Now I do. Well, I'll I'll finish the list here. So you know, mindset challenges with with asking for the sale, with putting yourself out there, with shipping material into the world, shipping content out to the world. Um, and then you you mentioned sort of um, empathy, putting yourself in your customer's shoes, and you know what do you have if you you walk a mile in someone else's shoes? Well, you're you're a mile away and you have their shoes, but no, you in real reality you need to be empathetic and be able to put yourself in their shoes. I do have to kind of put an asterisk around the one if you've never done it yourself, because I think it is a, a really important aspect for your internal 
like the way you feel about what you're creating. But there is some case like, like if I'm a golf pro, do I want the person who's the best in the world at teaching golf pros how to hit shots? Or do I want, you know, another golf pro? I probably want the best person who's, you know, it's, it's probably helpful if he's done some golfing. <laughs> For sure. I mean, I know what you're saying in terms of like educators, you know, some educators could be better than being successful at doing, you know, what they teach, right? So like, I may not be the best business person, but I might be the best educator for business people, right? Yeah, it's sort of a fine line, I guess. Exactly. But I think at the same time, I, at some level, I would, I should have had some of those challenges to be a good educator, right? So I should have faced some of those challenges that my customers are facing so I can speak to them and talk to them and connect with them. And I think that's where the empathy comes to. If I can't feel for you, that's why I don't sell to men because I don't know what to offer, right? Like I don't understand what they go through. Um, so I think you're right. It's really complex for sure. And, and, and just, again, I think the big takeaway would be to just try things. And if you want to do something, get on the other side and just try to experience it once, what it feels like, how valuable it is instead of keeping this idea in your head and not acting on it, you know, um, just even trying it can give you a little bit of confidence and and a little bit of clarity that you might be looking for elsewhere. Yeah, I love that. The worst thing you do is to do nothing. Exactly. <laughs> so, okay, I want to go in two directions. First, I want to talk a bit about, you know, what are some of these challenges you've uncovered um, about women in STEM? Because I know we have a, a, a lot of women that, that listen to this podcast, a lot of women in our community. It seems like academic entrepreneurship, men are maybe even the minority in that space. I'm not sure, but I... I don't know the statistics on that, but I do find that a lot of the programs that I'm working in, I'm one of the only males. <laughs> um, but so I want to talk about some of those challenges in in STEM and also, you know, some of the challenges for women in, in online entrepreneurship. And then I want to talk about your your podcast as well and how that maybe has supported the early stages of your your business. So um, in terms of the challenges, you know, what are some of the, the biggest career challenges that uh, women in STEM face? I don't think all women in STEM realize that they're minorities. I don't think so. I personally didn't in the beginning. When I came to US is when I realized I was doing something different. Like in India, a lot of people are engineers. So it's something really more common. But I think that's a good thing and a bad thing if you don't realize you're a minority. Good thing because you may not know a lot about the biases and why people are doing the things that they're doing either towards you or towards others in terms of, you know, if there's an implicit bias in a workplace, and if you don't even know what that means, there's a huge chance that you're just thinking that you're just believing whatever's unfolding, you know, in front of you. But then the other drawback is that you also don't realize that you are the change leader, like you can change things. And some of these things are in your control. But I think the biggest challenge that women have is I, I think we just don't believe in ourselves as much. And I think the system is rigged against us, um, again, whether it's through due to implicit bias or just be, or due to representation, um, it just doesn't work for us. And I think not believing in ourselves actually puts us even at a bigger disadvantage. So I think the biggest thing is confidence that keeps coming up, keeps coming up. And I think, you know, there's so many studies on it is it's more so related to how we raise women, how we raise girls, you know, how we reward our kids and schools and how women are girls are like top of their class um, all the time. Right. Like all the time. Girls do really, really well in, in schools. And once they get to college, it gets harder and we don't have the tools to deal with that change or deal with not being the best. And now guess what? And, and you know, your listeners are all scientists, but they will understand this. It's like, what if I even threw the measurement system out the window, right? Now you can't even measure this success. Now you're completely screwed because you're lost, right? You're like, wait, I don't know if I'm doing good or bad because I don't have the grades that I used to, which is A, A plus, whatever. Second of all, I don't know if I get a C. First, I don't even know if I got a C, right? So I'm constantly struggling to gauge my success. And then second, if I do realize that I'm behind in some way, shape or form, I don't have any tools to deal with not being the best, you know, because I was just the best all the time. And, and I think those just go against women because this is what stops us from trying things. 
Um, and this is what has been conditioned for a very long time through our schooling and stuff. And even in labs, you see uh, all the time, like I have scientist clients, if experiments don't work, it becomes a really personal thing. And it becomes really magnified and very hard to move forward because we were just never taught. Now, on the other hand, when, when boys play in the, in the playground, they fall, they trip, nobody makes a big deal. <laughs> you know, they learn how to deal with failures that ways, but women really just don't. So I think confidence and not having the tools to deal with failure, rejection, or even negative feedback, I think gets in the way of uh, women in STEMs, uh, their progress in STEM. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I mean, there's a lot of really important points. And I would consider you with your podcast and with your work with women in STEM, you know, uh, an authority in this space, even if you don't consider it. And hopefully you do. I do. <laughs> Thank <Good>. you. <laughs> um, and I mean, you said a really couple of key things. Like if you, if you're not even aware it's there, then you can't do anything. If you won't admit that there's a systemic, systematic um, biases there and that there's systematic issues there, then you're not going to be able to do anything. <laughs> um, if you don't admit, admit that, if I don't admit that I'm part of the problem as well, then, you know, how am I ever going to be better? And, and same sort of thing that you're saying with awareness and tools and education. So it's, yeah, it's really important. And I'm thinking that part of that is why so many women resonate with your podcast, with her STEM story is those are really how, how people feel out there in the workplace um, and in the world. Do you see any like, any mere challenges or even additional challenges that are just different in entrepreneurship for, for women? Is there, you know, I, I, I mean, I know the answer, but is there a systematic uh, <laughs> biases there as well? I think my experience has been a little different. And I think my experience even in, in STEM world has been really opposite of the problem. And I think that has made me um, in a, be in a position where I can advocate and where I can, preach from, right? Because if I've had good experiences in STEM, sort of where I come from is more positive. And I think that just sets me apart and that, you know, just those experiences. And I think in business, I've had a different experience, which like you said, I've come across mostly women who are in entrepreneurship, uh, especially in the coaching world or, or in the areas or in the circles that I move in. Um, and I personally have, from a struggle standpoint, just being a woman, I have not seen any struggles uh, so far in terms of related to my gender, if you will. I do think it changes if you are in startup world, right? So we're all bootstrapped you know, uh, you know, low, low turnovers, low capital sort of businesses, service-based. But if you go into tech and you go into a startup world and stuff like that, I'm sure it just completely is a different picture. It's an opposite picture of, you know, not having enough women in businesses uh, of that nature uh, not having enough VC funding or seed funding in those uh, spaces, uh, not having representation in those areas. Um, so, Definitely can be two different experiences. I think I run my business almost 100% from through Instagram. And maybe it's the algorithm or maybe it's just me. But I've attracted a lot of women entrepreneurs and had a chance to sort of learn from them um, and be able to really talk to the audience, you know, one-on-one -on -one or the customer one-on-one. -on -one. And, and the challenge would be the better I get at expressing myself and the better I can connect with the women. But I think personally, I don't think there are major, you know, sort of challenges just because I'm a f female. Uh, I do think that it's very different in the, in the tech world. It's very different in the startup world. If you're trying to raise money and, you know, we've had a lot of guests on the show teaching exactly that, that how do you raise these big funding rounds being a woman or being a minority? Um, so that, that's what I would say about, you know, that, particular question is that, you know, I, I personally think that at least the space I'm sort of targeting right now, it's, it's just mostly women, uh, which makes it, which makes it fun and which makes it like enjoyable <laughs> to sort of learn from each other. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, and I, I definitely would second that in the startup world in Silicon Valley in BC funding, that kind of area, it is certainly less diverse, both gender but even um, race and, and uh, you know other they have a, a lot less diversity that seems like for the bootstrap startup entrepreneurs 
maybe it's online entrepreneurs, I'm not sure, but in the space that we're in, it seems to be more diverse. Still not, um, there's still some system, there's still lots of systematic biases and things there. I'm not saying that, but it just seems to be more diverse. And it certainly seems to have a a higher, closer to equitable ratio of, of women and men as well. For sure. And I think, I think women are hustlers anyways. So I think just that just, that's just something that we're really good at. We are not satisfied with one thing or one job or one, you know, one skill. We really are, we want to stretch ourselves. We want to learn things. That's why we make, you know, we can go from boardrooms to being moms like, like that is because we can really handle multitasking. We're good at that. And we enjoy it a lot. And, you know, sometimes I talk to clients and they're just taking up things, taking up things. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to yourself? And they don't even stop to think because the definition of success really is doing a lot of things. And women are really driven to do that. And I, I will mention something on diversity in the coaching space, very specific to coaching is that, we definitely need more diversity and representation when it comes to people of color, um, LGBTQ plus and, and, you know, other minorities um, because, you know, the space is heavily, heavily, heavily Caucasian, heavily, heavily, you know, from um, rich backgrounds or, you know, coming from family money or even having a space, which is very, very white. Um, I think there's a lot of work that has to be done in that area, which is very much related to color um, and then races and stuff like that. And, and, you know, I think the Black Lives Matter movement did a phenomenal job of exposing some of these, these accounts and these gaps uh, where, you know, where people were not really being um, inclusive in their messaging or in their tone. And I think that has been a huge part of my brand is to how do I, you know, how do I put that front and center um, that, you know, not only I'm here to help, you know, all women in STEM, but but specifically being that representation that 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 is currently missing or how we are sort of stereotyped. So a lot of coaches, you'll see Indian people are coaching Indian people or, you know, black people are coaching black people. So how do you sort of get to a place where your your client base is inclusive and then you're still proud of, you know, where you come from or who you are. And I've done this experiment. I went through my feed and I realized how much I was trying to be like, you know, someone like Jenna Kutcher, like how much I was trying to become white, right? And I think we do that in our messaging, in our language, Um, but there's a lot of work to be done there. So I think my advice to people who are in this space or in the coaching space or self-employment space, which is very white, I would say, be yourself, right? Like I do a hype dance every morning and it's two Bollywood songs. So I, that's just who I am, right? So um, it's just important to, even if it's subtle, making sure that you don't forget where you come from and keeping it front and center because a lot of people are looking for you, you know, not everyone's going to need or connect with the white population. I think there's a lot of people who are really looking for learning, looking to learn from, you know, minorities or people of color. Uh, But I think our space can do a lot better in that, in that area. But from gender perspective, I think it's better than a lot of other businesses. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts around some of the the reasons why, maybe, and and you know where where there still are inequalities. And yeah, we had a really good discussion with Neba from NotesbyNeba.com. dot um, and she she had a lot of great discussion around that as well. And she also was one of the people that recommended that I reach out to Presha um, and have her on the podcast. So there's a ton of really important information there. And like you said, we need more people to be advocates. Well, just like you said, if you're if you're a fish in water, then you you don't know you're a fish in water. So we're not willing to admit that at least there is some difficulties there. Then then we're not going to make any progress. And I I will uh, I'll admit personally, my wife when we were watching the the Black Lives Matter stuff made a note because our son is two years old and and about how many um, you know black or ethnically diverse friends he had. Um, and we were talking about it and then said, and something about, cause we have a lot of books in our house. Something about, well, you, you know, you probably don't read any books by black authors. I was like, oh, I must, like, I have literally 80 books behind me on my bookshelf. Uh, we went through and looked and there was like one black author in all my books. And I was just like, wow, that is messed up. I did not know that. So I, you know, I've started trying to be more diverse that way, but it just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's a difficult topic. It's not one that I'm that well versed in, and obviously discussing the podcast, but I'm willing to try. <laughs> yeah, no. For I think it's, the, it's again, it's just about having these conversations, like saying these experiences, sharing, you know, our personal 
blind spots can help other people just realize, even if we can help help people realize one blind spot, I think we we made a we, we made some progress. So I think I don't think anyone is well versed on the topic, um, but I also think that that shouldn't that shouldn't stop us. Not not that it's stopping you. I'm just saying like we should still continue the conversation in terms of you know what can we do differently and how how do we see people. So I think one book I mentioned here, just because you love books uh, and I love books too, but Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell is a phenomenal book on this topic of how we judge people, how we interact with people who don't look like us, and how that really shapes our society. You know, at large. And as you know, I don't know if you've read Malcolm Gladwell, but you know, he's phenomenal at everything, right? <laughs> and and yeah, that book I think is sort of handling this topic on so many levels. And you know, there are there are objectionable things in there, which I don't think a lot of people, you know, straight up agree. But then there are a lot of stories of, you know, how we get people wrong or where does this come from? Right. So, um, you know, again, could have a whole another podcast on just this topic, but I really, really encourage people to keep having the conversations, just keep learning and just be better than you were yesterday. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, I would, I would agree. And I, it's, it's really important. I will, we will move on to the, the other topics in this podcast, but we'll leave off like, so I did buy s- some different books to try to diversify my book reading, I guess. And unfortunately, this one's by a white author, but I did read White Fragility, and it was almost shocking what was in that book in terms of making you think about your own insecurities and how that plays out. And the biggest one for me in that book, and it's a shame that now I'm saying that my bookshelf has, it's it's not lost on me that I'm saying that my bookshelf was all white. Now I'm mentioning a white author book. I get that. But I'm, I do think a lot of white people should read this book because it talks about the... I want to say black, white, non-binary issue or binary issue. So that if it's if it's if it's racism, it's wrong, and if it's wrong, you're gonna automatically recoil from it. And if it's wrong, you can't be it, and you can't be part of the system if it's wrong. Yeah. But it's exactly what you said at the start. If you're not aware of the problem, if you can't admit that you're part of it, then you'll never be able to open your eyes to a solution. Um, and that really struck home when I read that. For sure. I'm excited that we're having these conversations. I think that's just, it just makes us better people for sure. So yeah, it's, it's totally important. And who knows, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get me, you and Neva on one podcast episode and we can talk back and forth on. 100%. I'm all in. Have a panel, have a panel discussion. Yeah. Or for sure. Yeah. I got some things bounced around in there. Um, so we talked through, you know, your story, we talked through, challenges for women in STEM. We talked about challenges for women in entrepreneurship. What kind of some of that landscape looks like? We talked about the challenge of getting started in a business. So I do want to talk about your your business and what's coming up next there. But I want to rewind a little bit because I know you've been running. How how many episodes of her STEM story have you have you published so far? You caught me off guard, but I think about 119, 120. And in that range, I've interviewed about 135 uh, guests and sort of counting. So yeah, in the third, three digits. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. So the reason I asked, I have two podcasts. I have this podcast, obviously, which supports the grab blogger brand supports self-tenure community. Um, I have a podcast that does safety science that supports our advertising business there. It also supports our training education platforms. Um, I found podcasting to be a tremendously valuable asset for the long game when you, when you're doing these kind of putting out good information, you're you're building authority, you're getting people in your ecosystem. How have you found that you're launching a, a business at Herstem Consulting and you have this background of such a, you know, a, a diverse and, and full suite of, of podcast episodes? Have you found that has helped you kind of get this business launched and started? Yeah, for sure. I think it's a springboard, uh, 100%. Um, and I think this is what I would recommend everyone who's starting a blog or podcast is to just realize that the day-to-day, like don't get caught up in day-to-day. One of my first mentors, who's the founder of STEM Advocacy Institute, which, you know, everyone should look it up if you're interested in, you know, advocacy in this space. He said to me that, you know, it's not a marathon. I mean, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And, you know, I have reminded myself that every single day um, when the downloads are not coming or when, you know, the guests, some guests like dream guests are saying no or when uh, something is not working out because you just don't 
want to jeopardize like what this can do for you in the long run. And you're absolutely right that it's a springboard uh, for doing anything you want in the future. Um, it was a springboard for, you know, everything I've done in terms of like, as you said in the beginning, like building an authority first, this is something I preach too, is that, you know, just be consistent, just do something long enough because trust me, others are not going to stick with it. I'll give you an example. When I started her STEM story, there were five or six podcasts in the space doing the same thing. Um, just different names, different, you know, maybe scientists, engineers, this, just a different sort of space. And some of them were featured, you know, on Bustle, like, which is a big online publication. And when I started, uh, I didn't look anyone up. But after that, I realized, wait, there are so many people. And to be honest with you, they all, you know, sort of ignored me. They never replied to me in the beginning. And long behold, they are all gone. You know, like they haven't published anything in, in, in all over, you know, 12 to 15 months. And I think that's just what sets you apart. Just stick with it a little bit longer. And you just don't know what it's going to turn into. It may not be exactly what you think it is, uh, but just be open to that idea that, you know, whatever you're putting out there is extremely, extremely valuable. And to your point, it attracts people, builds authority. I still get lots and lots of leads through it. I still... um you know, send a lot of people to it, which are not ready for my services. Uh, so that way is I'm always serving. And it just becomes a place of opening those conversations, learning, right? You build a network, you meet people. Um, I've seen that this is really, really invaluable. You can't put a price on it. You just can't on, on consistency, on, on building an authority, building a reputation, if you will, uh, of being someone who sticks with things. I think, I think that just has given me that, that reputation with the show, but 100%, it's, it's something I've built a brand around and I continue to build courses and, and programs around her STEM uh, pretty much um, as being that umbrella. Um, so I think I think it's definitely instrumental. There's a you know there's a poster right behind me. So uh, I think it's it's at the core of everything I do for sure. Yeah, I love it. And I mean, the long game is the the right way to look at it. It is a springboard to any sort of new venture, but just showing up and being consistent is the the key. And it's funny. I had this conversation with a, an individual yesterday that I was interviewing for the Safety Science Podcast. And they're part of a big media company in my space, you know, a company that maybe has 100, 200 employees worldwide. Um, and all they do is create content. All they do is, is you know, sell live conference events. And they're really getting into a space that's not in competition with, with my membership community, but there is a lot of overlap. But it, but I, I don't care. We have them on the show and we cross promote each other all the time. So that's fine. But he said something that's very interesting. He said, oh, we want to start sharing on LinkedIn like you do. Because every day I'm on there and I see something you post. And I said, and I said, uh, I said, yeah, I post every day um, and I've done it for six years. Wow. And he looked at me and said, what? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, bro, I'm in it for the long game. I posted one article on LinkedIn every day for since since I pretty much since I left my job in 2016 um, and and it works I mean that's our, our biggest social media platform is how I launched my company back in 2017 2018 mm-hmm. um, it's where it's the number one comment that I get when I'm at a live conference whenever that will be again I'm not sure people see my name tag and go oh I I'm your your uh, connection on LinkedIn or you know I've seen you here and now now we get a lot more people come through the podcast and that too but something simple that you can do every day mm-hmm. and consistency is the the part and, and you certainly have that if you're putting a hundred you know episodes in yeah and I, and I feel like this is where I think people get so hung up is putting a timeline on your dreams it's just so silly I, I think it's it's something we have been conditioned to do and put timelines and put these boundaries and you know and put these expectations and it's just you just you just complicate the whole thing I and mean, I think that's one thing I've done with her some story from through again through help from you know mentors and people that were a little bit ahead of me and just listening to what they had to say instead of taking it personally is that keep it simple as much as you can just keep it simple and in the beginning for 100 you know activation energy is a concept that everyone knows and it's very high when you're starting 
with nothing. And I think how do you simplify it to a place where it's, as you said, like simple, as simple as posting every day on LinkedIn, how do you simplify it, it to a place where the activation energy is like the lowest, like there is no resistance at all to, for you to get started and, and just keeping that as your you know goal for the first, you know, first year, like first year, I told myself, I'll not think about money. I'll not think about anything. This is all about showing up, you know, and, and I'm glad I had a podcasting coach, like the first, the uh, right after, like I had 20 episodes, I hired someone and they told me, like they taught me this uh, just for one month and it was great. But you have to learn that piece that, you know, you just have to keep it very, very simple. What can I do? The, you know, minimum viable product is exactly that. What can I do with what I have and consistently? Yeah, I love that. And I got, I got chills when you mentioned not putting a timeline on your dreams. I was thinking of a quote in the, the book, I think it's The Millionaire Fastlane, which is sort of a spammy sounding title, but MJ by MJ DeMarco. In that book, he talks about making sure that your online business, so the road that you're traveling there, it doesn't, it's not like it's not, there's a timeline, but he says to make sure that your your online business and that road that you're traveling converges with a fantastic dream. Mm-hmm. So you can see in the future how the two run, because if you have one running pair, you know, if your your current business day is running perpendicular to your fantastic dream, well, that's probably not good. But if you can see in the distance that they're coming together, that they're doing, you know, have a chance to meet in the future, then, then, you know, keep walking down that track, figure out what the next obvious step is, the smallest, lowest activation step, or, you know, if you think about friction, static friction versus uh, rolling friction, how do you overcome that little bit of resistance and, and do that? next thing because after that the the next thing after that's going to be even easier for sure and i think you, you're just again you, we underestimate uh what again we underestimate what we can do in a year right and overestimate what we can do in a day but i don't know who has said this uh, i apologize i don't want to take credit for it but you know and un- just underestimating what little things can do i think we're so caught up in these big numbers like we should have million downloads we should have you know all these all this money and this fame and then and it's just we're so caught up in really really uh, unachievable things that we just bog ourselves down and we just don't know what little actions over time you know will do and and i think it's just back to basics of like just like when you were kids this little little bit of time and uh, when you look back, it'll be six years of posting every day on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> what a ridiculous thing to say. If they had told me that when I was in my full-time job, I would have uh, I would have shook my head. But yeah, that's where it's at now. And that and, 100 and uh, about 160 podcast episodes between the two podcasts. So. That's awesome. <laughs> really cool. Okay, so this has been sort of a, I don't know, a mini masterclass and sort of the mindset issues you might be dealing with if you're getting started down this track. Um, things to watch out for. We pride a bunch of lessons learned from Presha and her coach, um, coaches to, to share on here. So I think that's really helpful. I think kind of close out, just where do you see things heading for yourself and for her STEM consulting and, and kind of what's coming down the tracks for you throughout your business and your life? Yeah, for sure. I think I think I still have an ambitious nine to five job, which I thoroughly enjoy. Um, so the plan is to sort of keep it and grow there. Um, because again, I think I want to sort of lead by example as long as I can in terms of like it's possible to have all the things you want. There is no need to choose one over the other. Um, it's possible to do things that, and it's possible to have have different interests, and you know just enriches the experience of life. And, you know, it's just something that I sort of look forward to living more of. And so definitely growing in my nine to five, doing things that I enjoy on a daily basis. And then uh, for the business itself, there's, you know, there's a major rebrand coming up and sort of going into the direction of, you know, me being at the front and center and having Prasha Dutra's being this brand, um, which then encompasses, you know, um, the different businesses and the different arms, because I think that's the other part. I think before you know it, it becomes too much. And then you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> there's need to bring it back and make it cohesive. Um, so I do a lot of thinking in terms of brand and where this will be, but I definitely see myself at least in five years and this business being, you know, the go-to stop shop, one-stop shop for all needs, women in STEM, everything they need from community to business, to community, to events, to courses, to coaching, to, 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 to just like any and every need that they might have. And, and I think we, I have built that already. Uh, it'll, it'll just come down to now focusing on how do we create a 
a business that is really sustainable. It's on a strong foundation. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of investments in systems and, 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 you know, just building something that can sustain that big dream that I have of being like, you know, I like to say this, even though I'm not the biggest fan of Jenna Kutcher, but being the Jenna Kutcher of women in STEM and being that, that go-to person or Tony Robbins of women in STEM and just being that big name and authority in this space so that women feel seen and women feel supported uh, because I think corporations are not equipped to do, do this kind of work, not yet. And as much as they're trying, it's going to take some time for corporate America or corporate companies to get to a place where they're supporting everyone and uh, and their and their specific needs. So I think that's my five year vision, and I and I can see it and I can feel it, and I think I felt it from day of when I started the show, and I know there's so much to it. But there's a you know there's a TEDx happening, so you know, by the time this comes out, it'll be it'll already be done. And it's about how to be a successful woman in STEM. So I think it's going to be really on brand and there's a huge rebrand coming. And again, just, uh, I, and I say this because you, even your listeners who are starting businesses at some point, you have to realize that it's not about the short term returns or how much money you made that month. It's about, okay, can you sustainably make this money for months and months and months to come? And I think short-term thinking can be, you know, can really be detrimental to to those plans. And that's why I'm trying to stay ahead of the, you know, ahead of those things and, you know, putting my engineer hat on and saying, wait a minute, this process will fail, this system will fail, and this will give. So how do we make something that's really, really strong and can really handle a, a successful business in, in five years Has is my focus for rest of 2020. And then, you know, 2021 is all about, uh, flaunting it <laughs> and trying to trying to um, bring in uh, bring in more clients and again just changing how women are thinking about their life right now and just this change of believing in their brilliance and and really just going after whatever it is that they want in life oh, i love this so if somebody's listening to this this episode is going to come out uh i think early october 2020 so the tedx talk that you mentioned will have already come out but where's the best place for somebody to go that's listening to this then or five years from now and wants to check in on that five-year goal? You know, where should they head to to uh, to learn more about Prasha and your work? Yeah, so you can go to prashadutra.com and you can also go to any of the URLs, herstamstory.com or herstamconsulting.com. They will all lead you to the same place. If, if you just um, Googled my name, I have, I'm blessed with a very unique name. So there are not too many Prashas out there. So if you just Googled my name, my hope is that you get to learn more about me and be able to land, um, you know, wherever it is that you want to land and know more about me. But you can also follow me on Instagram. I'm really active. I really love Instagram community of, you know, really a, my business is running on Instagram. So I love the value it brings to my life. So at Prasha Dutra, you can find me on Instagram and then at Hearthstone Story as well. I am always available pretty much in DMs and uh, very, very excited to always uh, meet new people and, and chat. Awesome. Well, I think uh, the audience have a lot to learn from you in those discussions. So I'd encourage them to reach out as well. And I just want to say thank you for coming on. I know we went through the gamut of, of uh, for entrepreneurship to, uh, to sexism and racism and, and other, you know, other kind of areas of equality and balance and back through to starting your, your, your business up and growth strategies. And I just want to say thank you for going through all this with me. Cause I think it's going to be a really informative episode for the audience. I really appreciate it. Thanks for letting me go off on those tangents. I, I think there's so much value in sort of following your thought train or, you know, your, your stream of consciousness sometimes can lead you to places that you may not have planned in the beginning. So I, I just feel like it's such an wholesome, you know, and it's so close to my heart. So I can talk about this all day and all night. It never tires me. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's why I appreciate you um, sort of letting me, you know, share my views and, and having me on the show. Awesome. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get you back on to learn about more about your business as it continues to develop and, uh, and maybe we'll even pick up some of the other topics that we were talking about. Love that. Thanks, Presha. We'll be talking soon. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Chris. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney and Presha Dutra from PreshaDutra.com. That's P-R-A-S-H-A-D-U-T-R-A.com. And we've been talking about career coaching for women in STEM. We shared Presha's story. We actually covered a, a whole bunch of different topics. We really shared her story coming from 
India to the U.S. about eight years ago at the time of recording, doing a, a engineering degree in chemical engineering back in India, a mechanical engineering degree here. Some of the the trials and tribulations of getting employment in that field here as a Indian national and Indian as a, a woman. Talked about the early days and starting her podcast, her STEM story, and some of the challenges that she had with that. Some of the mindset challenges around monetizing, growing a business mindset, you know, discussions that are going on in your head, not investing in yourself, challenges with not having done what you're trying to teach others to do. There's all sorts of things that we sort of brought up there. We also talked about challenges in STEM regarding quality between, you know, gender and race and identity and all those different areas. And we actually went down a road that I certainly had not prepped Fresha for, uh, nor has she prepped me for, <laughs> probably more more importantly. Um, but I think it's an important discussion to, to talk about. And um, I hope that uh, what I did say was at least sensitive enough that it, uh, you know, that my honesty and sincerity kind of came out in that because I do think it's a really important area. I do wholly believe that if you can't identify it, there is a problem, then we're never going to make it better. So I'm trying personally myself to to identify more if there is, is these challenges. We talked about the power of creating content and being consistent. We talked about you know how the podcast, uh, the Precious, has been running for a long time now, how that's really supported a springboard for her business, but also developed this personal brand. She's at a really unique position now where she's sort of taking all these entities and bringing them together underneath one umbrella at PreciaDutra.com. And it'll be really interesting to see how that grows and develops and as she moves forward. I think there'll be a lot of interesting things to maybe get her come back on the podcast and talk about as well. The other thing I she did mention that I wanted to highlight was this thing around customer insights. So if you're at a point now where you're done content creation, where you've started to build a community, you've started to build a personal brand, and you don't know what to sell, I would highlight that as the kind of key area to focus on is what challenges are your people? So find the people, find people that you really resonate with. Discover what challenges they're having and how you can help address those. What things are keeping them up at night? What things are they already paying money for? What things have they paid money for that didn't fix the problem? Like Those are really key areas to start to build in and find out what is that offer that you can make to your community to you know, both increase revenue for yourself, but even more importantly, to, to make a dent and help that community there. So if you're at that stage in your business, that's the terminology that I'm using inside the self-tenure community and the trainings that we're doing there at that stage between zero offer and one offer figuring out how to develop your your customer profile and determine what uh, what they're looking to get into their life. So I encourage you to check that out. You can find out more about that at selftenure.com. Um, you can always find the show notes for this episode at grablar.com slash 79. We'll put together a nice PDF download of that. Um, you can control F and find the, the topics that we were talking about, the books, the references, and other things that we mentioned. 